Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today's Wednesday, March 1st. This is episode number 187. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. How are things going? Going good, Rod. Not not too much happening right now other than, you know, like boatloads of football news. Yeah, Jeff, I have noticed a trend here these last few weeks. Um, We hit 74 degrees today, so it seems whichever day we schedule the podcast for, it seems to get really warm down, at least here in Well, then what we should do is have a podcast every night. Every night. (laughs) We we might have to bring up some other topics, you know, things other than the Browns. But um, it's not a bad idea because I could deal with the 70s every day. Yeah. Okay, I'm good with that. Yeah. Well, we're going to we're gonna bring in our guest. Uh, Steve Gill is with us tonight, and you can follow Steve at C-Town Thug. Steve is a writer for Cleveland Sports Talk and also has his own blog that you can find. That's dogpoundsouth.net. Hey, Steve. How are, how, are, uh, how are you doing tonight? Good evening, gentlemen. How are we doing tonight? Just great. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. So you're in, uh, you're joining us all the way from Nashville, Tennessee. Right. How's, how's the weather down there? Nice. It is storming right now. Yeah. <laughs> it is lightning thunder. Uh, we got three waves coming through one tonight, one tomorrow night, one early Friday morning. Uh, you know, high in the near 80, and then uh, cold front's going to move through and it's going to, Get cold again. Kind of. So there kinda, you have all your all your listeners. Uh, your forecast for Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean it's it sounds kind of similar to us, just a little bit warmer. So um, yeah, it just keeps changing every day. So if you don't like the the range of temperatures today, it's going to be different by twenty degrees tomorrow, one way or the other. So um, seems to be what we talk about every week because we have not had really uh, normal weather here in, in quite a while but uh we'll take it we'll take it so uh, we're kind of going to to almost skip the blitz beverages tonight um i am going to just mention that i'm drinking a goose island 312 peach um which is a weed ale with peaches uh, it's only 4.2 percent so it's kind of like i'm drinking the kool-aid tonight guys um tastes pretty good and uh if you listen to to the show much you know i've got kind of a weakness for peaches so um so yeah i like it and that's going to end that segment so anyways <laughs> well if i was having a beer I'd, I'd probably pick one from a local brewery here in town which i like a lot it's called black abbey they specialize in belgian brewing process i know the owners and i usually like it's called a tn ipa it's not a lot hoppy it's got a little citrus to it but really good it's refreshing well it sounds good i i um i really enjoy belgian belgian style beers too. oh these guys know what they're doing yeah well yeah it sounds like that's a that's really a relationship that's um that's a good one to have knowing somebody there it's always good to know the owner of a brewery yeah <laughs> excellent Excellent. I'll have to remember that next time I'm in Nashville, if I ever get to Nashville again. So, so yeah, very cool. Very cool. So, 
So, Steve, the first time we have anybody on the podcast, we allow them to, uh, or we ask them to share their Browns journey with us. So, just uh, we'd like to hear about your your Browns fandom, how it came to be, and any particulars that you would like to share with with us and and the listeners. So, I'm going to turn things over to you. Okay. Well, um, I was born in uh, in Cleveland, of course. Um, my late father was uh, worked for a large CPA firm there so we always had tickets to Browns games and Indians now Guardian games and he liked to take my brother and I to games before the weather got bad so I actually got to see Jim Brown play live wow yes I am that old (laughs) I remember listening I my whole family was like baseball fanatics I was the only one that went with football Okay. I, it was just something about it. I loved it. So I've I've been a Browns fan all my life, and uh, that that will never change. Uh, we moved to here in Nashville in 1967, and when football season started, first game I saw on TV was a Browns game. Back then, the the networks were regionalized, so Nashville and Tennessee was a Browns region. So that's, you know, that's, you know, this, a lot of places in the South are like that. That's how Condoleezza Rice became a Browns fan because her, her grandfather would watch the Browns and he was a big Jim Brown fan. So, yeah, that's, uh, I've always been a Browns fan. In 88, we started a Browns backer club here in Nashville, a gentleman I knew. Um, I'm one of three original members left from that first game. My wife is the other one, and I was club president for 15 years. Excellent. Yeah, Middle Tennessee Brownsbackers. They have a great club. Very nice. So, yeah. so, so you've been you've been in Tennessee since '67. Correct. Wow. That that's that's excellent. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. The, it's uh, I have a lot of respect for Browns backers. I have a respect for Browns fans because we've endured so much. But I have a large respect for Browns backers, especially Browns backers in other NFL cities. Um, it's it's not an easy gig to do, especially back then when you're dealing with you know no direct TV and like that. You're talking about the large satellites. And you oh, yeah. had to buy a satellite guide just to find out which satellite the game would be on. Yeah. So, what uh, what time period were you were you president of the club when it formed? Um, no, it formed in '88, and I I became president in '90, um, and then I was president for 15 years. I was president during the uh, three undefeated seasons, as I like to call it. Ah, gotcha. Gotcha. Very nice. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing that. Um, you know, it, everybody really does have have a unique story. And um, uh, Jeff, how, how many people have we had on the podcast who saw Jim Brown play? I mean, there there have been a handful. Um, yeah, not many. Not a whole lot. Small not, number. Not a whole lot. So, so so that's very cool. So um, so yeah, um. 
So, Steve, since we're here talking, let's um, let and you saw Jim Brown play. I mean, uh, everybody loves Nick Chubb, and I know you can't compare players directly, but what's your what's your impressions of the way Jim Brown played compared to the way Nick Chubb plays right now? Well, Jim Brown was just massive. Yeah, I mean, he ran over people. I mean, he'd hit somebody and they would just wilt. And he could bounce off people. Nick Chubb is just, he is just Mr. Cutback. I mean, he can find a hole quicker than any run, running back. There's, an, uh, there's a saying in, in football, 10 to 15-yard runs in college football are two to three-yard runs in the NFL. Unless yeah. you have a running back who gets there just as the hole opens. And that's Nick Chubb. Mm-hmm. And I, I saw him, I'm, I'm a Vanderbilt graduate, so I'm in the heart of SEC. I saw him play in, at Georgia. I, I think he, I think I went to a game here in Nashville where he played him and uh, uh, the other um, big Georgia Son- running back, Sonny, Sonny Michelle. Michelle. Yeah. I, I, at that draft, you know, at the draft party I went to, I said, I take either one of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, I said, I hope they draft a running back and I'll take either one of them. And I'm glad they took Nick Chubb because he turned out to be the better of the two backs. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. OK, well, well, excellent. Uh, let's let's move into some Browns news. And guys, there's a ton going on. So, <laughs> so if I miss anything or or. If you have anything to add, let me know. I just made a few notes, and this stuff is in no particular order. But uh, it, it's come out that it's uh, that the Browns have actually said now that uh, um, John Johnson III is going to be cut. Yeah, he's so. going to be designated a June 1st cut. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so They won't get that cap savings until uh, after June 1st, $9.75 right. right, so I think everybody thought this was coming or believed it was coming it saves them like nine nine million against the cap um you know at in june so um so i i guess uh i guess there's really no surprise to this i don't think anybody thought he was going to be around next season really um would have been kind of a shock if they wouldn't have done this so so i guess it comes down to how you guys see this see this uh the safety room filling out now. Um, you know, there's all the articles uh, you know out of you know the Browns are Browns are looking at Jesse Bates. Well, they're they're looking at everybody, right? Obviously, everybody's um, on their radar. <laughs> yeah. So, so the Browns, you know, question is, do they? Do you guys think they look to spend big money on a safety? I mean, safety's. Safety is a spot that, you know, the the Browns have thought they had worked out and everything, and it, it's kind of really been an issue. Um, the question is, is this really where they want to spend the money or not? So I, I guess the question is, how do you see the guys going here? Not with a specific player, but um, how do you see them filling out their their safety roster? So, so Jeff, let, let's let you kind of tackle this first. I, I think it's going to be a combination of uh, – a free agent and a draft pick. Um, they need they need that starter, and probably the, the only way they're going to get that starter is is by signing somebody as a free agent. So, um, 
Jesse Bates might be a little beyond our our price range, but um, there's a couple other guys out there that I think would would fit in pretty nicely. So you almost have to see you know who they're able to sign there, and then start planning for where you're going to take somebody in the draft to to be that hopefully that third guy, if not this year, you know, in, in the next couple of years. Um, but yeah, you, you know, it's, it's weird. We, we kept talking about how we needed to have three safeties and we had three safeties last year and one of them never played and the other one played terribly. And now we're resetting the whole safety room again. And, and with a new D defensive coordinator, um, it's really hard to read the tea leaves about how this backfield's going to look. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, so Jeff, you mentioned there were some other safeties. You want to go into names on that or no? Um, yeah. I remember. Not off the top of my head, Rod. Okay, I got something for you give, if you'd like. Give me a minute. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. I wrote a couple guys down, but I, I figure if you guys brought up names, but. Um, Either way, go ahead, Steve. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I I, th- I I think that the Browns possibly called Jesse Bates' agent. It never hurts to call, but that's also, it could be a call to gauge the market. Mm-hmm. And right now the market for him is roughly around $15 million. Yeah, That's yeah. two to three other free agents they could sign. So probably tops on my list. Uh, and probably everybody's list is one Thornhill of Kansas City. Um, he might cost you about $5 million. Aaron Harmon of Las Vegas Raiders, eh, roughly around $2 million. Probably Marcus Epps of Philadelphia. Here's another name. And if they want to go with two safeties, a starter and possibly a, a backup, you got to remember where um, Jim. Schwartz was last year uh, as an advisor to here in Nashville. So you got two guys here are free agents, Andrew Adams, so you can get the league minimum, and Joshua Kalul would probably be a nice third safety. You get him for about $1.5 million. Yeah. Well, you have to figure, like Jeff said, um, one guy via draft. But if you can get one guy closer to the league minimum, then – you don't have to draft that guy, you know. True. You can go True. another. But you can go another how, how much do they like the Anthony Bell? I kind of like him. Um, he seemed to be around the ball a lot. He plays special teams really well. Mm-hmm. So um, Bubba Ventrone might like keep him. But yeah, you need to. They they're going to have to draft safety. You got to draft for the future. So. Yeah. True. True. Draft. Yeah, drafting for the future and drafting to be your number. Well, I guess number three, but, uh, you know, he'd probably be competing with uh, Bell or somebody like that anyway. True. So, so Ronnie he's probably Harrison not a lot ain't coming back. <laughs> yeah, he's not coming back. So, <laughs> so Jeff, did we give you enough time to, to think of anybody additional or are those kind of guys you were looking at? Yeah, I think Steve's right. Thornhill is sort of the leader right now. Everybody's talking about. Um, I like that, that, you know, that money, if, if we can bring somebody in who can play a lot of snaps for in the four or $5 million range, that's, that's going to be a big deal for our roster. 
Um, and whether it's him or somebody like him, I think, you know, that's that's probably where we're going to settle. It's, I don't think it's going to be one of the marquee names. Yeah, it, seemed, it would seem to be a big one if they could do that and and have that money to spend somewhere else. I mean, you, yeah, you guys know they would love to bring in, you know, uh, I don't know a name, but they would love to bring in somebody who can really play DT, I would think, um, you know, or yeah. Edge. Uh, so, uh, I, I guess we'll see what happens, but, um, but yeah, um, you don't know if they're going to be in competition on the, on the top defensive tackles, but, um, but you'd think if they were going to make a big move, that that's where it would be, not at, not by signing the premier safety in free agency. Well, it seems right. like Andrew Barry always makes a, a, a big splash. And and nobody yeah. ever sees it coming. Last year it was Amari Cooper. Mm-hmm. Nobody was talking about Amari Cooper. Um, whether it be a trade or or a, a defensive uh, tackle, but you know what? You got Perrion Winfrey. He's going to be here yeah. for sure. Um, Togei, unfortunately gone. Jordan Elliott, well, you got to th- see what Jim Schwartz thinks of him, but you got to think they'll bring both of them into camp at least as protection. Um, you could, you, you need that one, that one number one guy, and I'm of the belief because he's a former first rounder, and Andrew Barry loves signing former first rounder rounders. He does. If he makes it to a free agency, you're, you're looking at somebody along the lines of Sheldon Rankins. Mm-hmm. He would cost you about $6 million, maybe seven, <coughs> depending on the bidding. Yeah. Yeah, that would seem to fit the profile. Um, that would, have, enough, that, that would give you two money, guys, you can bring right? in another one. Who knows? Yeah, that would give you... Somebody. That would give you two to two, two and a half guys, maybe. You know, depending yeah. on who they keep. You're still like, you're still a guy or two short, but uh, but yeah. There's it, there's it, really four paths to, to building out the roster, right? We talked about free agency, the draft, and then there's um, trade, like Steve mentioned, and then there's also um, cap casualties. So yeah, we kind of have to see how all that fits together over the next few months but um in in general um i'm hoping that we sign those two guys the the d tackle and the safety who are guys that that will play a lot who will be you know almost every down kind of players that will set the tone for our defense because those are obviously the, the biggest needs and backfill everybody else you know from all those other places but um, I think the success or failure of, of Jim Schwartz's defense in the first year really is going to boil down to how good a job Andrew Barry does in filling those two positions. Yeah. 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 yeah you got, you got to think that uh, Schwartz has a wish list that he gave to Andrew Barry. Mm-hmm. And you are, you are exactly right about cap casualties. We don't know what those are going to be yet. That'll, frame out here after let's see now march 13th is the legal tampering the illegal tampering has already started and you got the uh, you got the tag ends on the 7th the franchise tag so 
after the seventh, I, I think you'd start to see a few cap casualties as teams try to get down under the cap. Um, I, I'm curious to see who's going to get cut. But, you know, I'm... You know, I may be an outlier, but I'm of the belief that Taven Bryan, if you put a better player next to him, he could be a better player, and you could probably sign him for two and a half, three million if you structure the contract, one year deal. And then you draft somebody and you let him fight him out in camp. Yeah, you might um you might be answering my, my next question. So so if if your, we'll just call them your number one DT and, and the safety position that you want to fill. If those are your two top priorities, what's your next priority? Is it, is it another defensive tackle, is or is it the edge position based on who you have at edge already? Edge, I mean, edge. You got to find a yeah, number two. Yeah, I agree. Even if it's a one-year rental. Hmm. I mean, somebody like a Melvin Ingram or a Shaq Lawson or, gosh, even Dante Fowler or Carlos Dunlap, somebody like that. I mean, you know, how many sacks did Melvin Ingram have for Miami after he got got signed? He had something like seven or eight, right, as a number two? You need that clowny type guy again. Who actually gets sacks and... Plays, a, yeah, plays like Clowney plays. did, not last year, but the year before. Yeah, yeah it was somebody who actually plays. Well, yeah, we need the, the 2021 version of Clowney. Yeah. That's what we really need. Yeah. yeah. Or, or I'm not sure that we're going to find that guy. Um, it would be nice if we did, but... Um, something I, I in between, they, you know. Well, it, it'd be nice if, if they found that, uh, that third down pass rush specialist that we could really count on. I mean, the last couple seasons we've had guys in that role that have gotten hurt, have just really not produced. And I mean, I'd, I'd be okay with Alex, Wright Holding down that spot on first and second down. If we had a speed guy coming in on third down, that that could be our rotational guy. Um, Very yeah. true. Especially if we're putting, yeah. if we're putting somebody, you know, more established next to Alex, Wright. Right. Well, how about a guy that short, how about a guy that shorts nose? Uh, Demarcus Walker, Tennessee Titans. Well, I mean, you have to have a feeling that he's going to want to bring in guys that he likes, you know, yeah. who were in Tennessee, he's um, and guys that he's agent. coached elsewhere. He's a free agent. He's a perfect rotational type guy. Yeah. Yeah. Works for me. <laughs> okay, call Andrew Barry. Let's I'm get this show on I'm the road. Man. <laughs> I'm sure he was. <laughs> I'm sure he was um, on that list, you know, of uh, of wants that that um, that was delivered to Andrew Barry already. You know, <laughs> as far as hey, this is what I'm looking for. Here's some suggestions, guys. I'd like you to take a look at um, a couple stars by this name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, and and there are other guys who are going to be available. I mean, um, it was uh, Bobby Wagner was cut today, and I'm not suggesting the Browns are going to sign him. But um, really, I didn't see that. I missed that. I think he was. I think he was cut, or um, at least they said that there's uh, um, that they've 
that they're parting ways if it's not official yet. So. Oh yeah, that's uh, right, Bobby Wagner. Yeah, he was. He was. Uh, yeah. That's so, right. I did. I did read that. Yeah. So I mean, this stuff's going to happen, like, like Jeff was saying, um, cap casualties and other things. So, so the list right now is going to, you know, there will be other names added to it. So, um, and then then there's stuff like the Amari Cooper trade last year that um, could come out of nowhere. You know, the Browns could right. could trade for a safety or a defensive tackle, on and, and it, it could be somebody we're not even thinking of. Mm-hmm. Well, could also be a wide receiver. This isn't the greatest free agency uh, position group, and the draft right. group is kind of average to pretty good. So, Not what you know, we've gotten used to in the last few drafts. Yeah, last two or three years, it's just been the top position. Now, of course, the probably the best position uh, in the draft is running back, and you know. They could pick one up on day three, so just as camp and see if he beats out John Kelly. But uh, yeah, I can see him trading for a wide receiver. I keep hearing yeah. Paris Campbell for some reason. Yeah, um, it just to me it just feels like with the wide receiver classes that have, that have come out the last two seasons that. So, there just have to be guys available out there, um, you know, that they can that they can bring in. Um, you know, you, you would think that uh, teams would, would have guys available um, that the Browns could pick up for, you know, in a trade or, or guys that are going to be cut. Uh, you would think that they would be able to to strengthen that position in that way. Yeah. So just need a speed I, I think you, have to, you just have to keep trying until you get it right, Rod. You know, I mean, I think they they got to keep bringing guys in until they find the guy. And, and you know, I was I was a big fan of uh, drafting Anthony Schwartz. Um, he hasn't yeah. developed. Um, we still need somebody in that role. So keep trying. You know, if it if it means bringing in a guy who's a roster you know, bubble guy, or if it's if it's taking somebody on day three, just just keep keep trying until we find the right guy. Yeah, very true. Yeah, I mean, you have to figure the Browns. The Browns are thinking that they've probably got four spots set at wide receiver right now, um, but they probably have probably have two openings, right? So they yeah. would like to add some quality at those two spots and let the guys fight it out for, you know, who's number one, who's number two, who's number three. I mean, well, I think we know it, who number one is, but yeah, if you're going <laughs> right. to pay Cooper twenty million, he's your yeah, number he's one. he's number one, but yeah, and DB, uh, you know, Donovan People Jones is probably your two. Uh, they're not going to give up on David Bell. Uh, they're not going to give up on him, but you know, he's if, a if he's a slot, somebody, but yeah, you need that guy you can line wide and just send down the field. But I I like all three of those guys. I but, do too. I love but, David Bell in college. But it's hard to say that you're just going to go with those guys and that, hey, these are our guys. I mean, do, yeah. do you, um, you know, and not look at upgrading anywhere? Um, you have to. You yeah, constantly you have, have to. You have no choice. You have yeah. no choice. Um, and, well, the other uh, yeah, consideration, Rod, is, is that th- this is DPJ's walk year, right? I mean, he's he's got another year under contract. They're talking about extending him. Uh, and I've seen some pretty big numbers thrown around to extend him 
um, you know, is that really where you want to spend the money? So I, I think that's what they have to figure mm-hmm. out this year. You know, are they are they going to lay out $10, $12 million a year for their number two? Um, or do they feel like they can upgrade that position going into 2024? Yeah. For less money. That's interesting. I, I don't know that... Um... Gosh, I mean, you got two years left at twenty million on Amari Cooper, so I don't know that you're ready to spend ten, twelve million on a year on on DPJ. But right. unless unless know. Cooper is one of the restructures, I mean, he's already got a void year at the end of his contract. I think in I think he has two void two void years, two yeah. void years. So just tack on an extra void year and restructure. Yeah, I, yeah. I guess maybe it's possible. I don't know. Could be. Well, they're going to have to restructure. Besides Watson, which is a given, they're going to restructure him. Yeah. Um, it may it may even be in his contract that the team has an option to do it. But then you're going to have to restructure somebody like Garrett and Teller and Antonio, uh, just to at least get your 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 cap down, and then also have enough money to roll over into next year, like they do every year. Yeah. yeah. You know, while we're on that topic, Rod, we talked last week about um, caps and, and restructures and so forth. And, and I was misleading people on the 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 uh, restructure for Watson. Um, I was really not understanding what we we're talking about with restructuring and that the, that the player really doesn't have to sign off on it. I mean, the Browns can just choose to move money out. Um, with with Watson and, and get down to a lower cap number. So I was kind of under the impression that he had to agree to that, and he doesn't. So I just want to set the record straight on that. Um, yeah, they yeah. basically can take him down to the league minimum. Right. Um, so and, so that's, and a, that's a big change. If just, just one restructure. It could be up to $35 million. Right. But you're – you're you're putting money on a credit card, basically. I mean, that's a you know, mm-hmm. yeah. You're you're, you're going to pay it eventually, right? So, right. Um, that's what these guys get paid to do is figure out how to free up enough money to be able to do the things that they want to do this year without mortgaging their future completely, right? That's that's right. how Absolutely. how general managers think. So, you know, from that perspective. You know Deshaun Watson's going to be around, right? I mean, we, I know we talked about he really has to prove something this year, but it's it's kind of hard to fathom that with all that guaranteed money that he's not going to be in your long term future. Mm-hmm. So so you know, doing it with him makes sense, but with with Cooper and a few of these other guys, it's it's just there's just not enough money there, you know, to to push it back further for it to make sense, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. My understanding I mean, is Cooper's probably the hardest one to really right. do much with. The other guys can right. you can get some significant cap savings, but Cooper's right. Cooper just because of what what is there it would be harder to do. We know well, how Andrew Barry works too. That you know he 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 doesn't want to just necessarily free up a whole ton of money like we think he can. Um, he he has a pretty good idea of what he's going to need. And that that's where he's going to go get the money. Yeah, yeah, I agree. The beauty of a of a the way Andrew Barry does the restructure, the player gets the money 
he was due that year. It just depends on how much money you throw up front. I mean, if they can talk Garrett into it, they could save about $13 million just on him. But mm-hmm. like you said, uh, they have to agree to it. And, and you know, a, a good restructure is not a pay cut. They're going to get their money anyway. Right. It just depends yeah. on if they're going to get it That's- all up front or, you know what their salary yeah. is during the year. So if I, I think miles might go for it. I don't know. That's but see that. That's what Jack was explaining in, in the article I read is that the player does not have to agree to it. So just to be clear, if they go to miles and say, we're restructuring you, we're, we're, we're taking part of your guaranteed money. Um, converting it to a signing bonus, converting it to, yeah. a, to a signing or a roster bonus or some kind of bonus. Roster right. Bonus. And then, he costs he costs less that you know against the cap this year, but he still makes the exact same amount of money over the life yeah. of the contract. Because it doesn't and, affect his paycheck at all. Right, it doesn't affect his income at all, so he doesn't have to agree to it. So they can do it, but the downside is it compromises your ability in future years. So oh, yeah. you know we're going to be paying for Jadavian Clowney for the next two or three years. We're going to be paying for several other guys that that we've. Put built void years into contracts, and we know yeah. the roster. Or we know that the salary cap's going to go up, right? But you know that's that's right. sort of tantamount to me saying, "Well, I know I'm going to get a raise next year, so I'm going to spend it all this year." You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at right. some point, at some point, right. you're out of money. You know, no matter what you what you do, right? Yeah, you have well, to be smart about it. You can't spend the, it all. The future year they have to worry about, I believe, is 2025. That's where things could get hairy i mean over the cap and they're pretty good at projecting the salary cap they only missed it by two hundred thousand dollars for this year they project for 2024 256 million but in 2025 that's where the roster might get a little um tricky so andrew barry's got to do an really good job of drafting this year and next year right. and picking right. the right free agents and picking the right players to restructure. You're exactly yeah, that, right. That's the I key. Mean, that's the, the key, key right there. You can't go out and, and spend a bunch of money on free agents that are going to really tie your hands in future years. Exactly. And yeah. and you need those draft picks to pan out, to fill out you know, the, 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 pipeline of replacing some of these guys in two or three years so that again you don't have to go out and sign expensive guys you know so it's it's all got to work together the perfect example is are the Bengals right now i mean they're still paying their good players rookie money now it's going to catch up to them next year when a bunch they got to do contract extensions for for their their number one players but yeah, they've got their little window here. They've gone to a Super Bowl. They made they won the division again, and this year they're going to be just as good. So, yeah, you got to think about the future, but also think about now. Yeah, right. Yeah. We're in a we're in a win now window, um, and we're going to be competitive. Um, but I don't think we're in a mortgage of the future position this season. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. So in a, in another uh, not such a, not such a big surprise uh, bit of news the the Browns and the Jets are playing the Hall of Fame game on on August third 
at eight o'clock. I think everybody knew that was probably going to happen just because of uh, the Hall of Fame inductees. So, um, mm-hmm. so that's I guess just kind of cool. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think what 1999 is the last time the Browns played in that game, and I think we all remember that one. Oh, certainly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and um, I I believe. <laughs> Kevin Stefanski today let the cat out of the bag that week three they're going to go to Philadelphia and scrimmage uh, days before the, they play a preseason game. So obviously they're no week number three. They're going to play the the uh, Eagles. Ah, so, okay. Uh, week three. He kind of let I, that out today. I missed that. I meant to listen to his press conference. I just looked at the notes, um, so I didn't. I did not hear that. So, so that's cool. Um, Okay, uh, let's get the jokes out here, guys. Uh, the Haslam's uh, purchased <laughs> a share of the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, from what from what I could figure, they own a third. They will own a third of the Bucks if it's approved, um, in a deal that uh, must be between one point one and one point two billion. From what I inferred from reading the the article. Um, so yeah. So what do you guys say? <laughs> Well, um, I believe they paid eight hundred and seventy-five million. Um, okay, he ain't I, I, hurting. For, he ain't hurting for eight seventy-five. Okay, yeah, I didn't. I couldn't find that number. All I saw was that that they got a third of it, and that the team was valued at three point five billion. Yeah, the the the, the uh, three point five billion was the valuation. Uh, I'm very familiar with the Haslam's. Of course, his brother was governor of Tennessee. Uh, you know, made their money in the oil and gas industry from their father uh, because of a little problem they ran into the feds. He had to agree. They had to agree to send, uh, sell an 80 percent share of Pilot Flying J to Warren Buffett. And he pays Jimmy and D about two billion a year. I think the sale becomes final this year and the last payment will be five billion. So he ain't hurting for cash. So they they got all this money. They got to spend it somewhere. Yeah, why not? Yeah, why don't you build a dome downtown Cleveland? <laughs> New there's stadium, at least. Yeah, there's a thought. We're, we're jumping ahead on the news now. Oh, there I, are worse in, yeah. there are worse investments than buying a professional sports franchise. Yeah, that's for sure. They do they do not seem to go down in value very often, guys. No, they yeah. don't. <laughs> Even if you don't win for 20 plus years, <laughs> they, they still skyrocket in value. Yeah. Even, even if you go one in 31 mm-hmm. and draft a quarterback that a homeless guy suggested. <laughs> <laughs> and make your coach plan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so let, let's, uh, let's jump ahead of that. The Browns, uh, the Browns want a new stadium. Um, First energy is 24 years old. Um, or I guess the Haslam's want a new stadium. Um, and they say that First Energy was quickly and poorly built, and the the city is not dealing with them on land. I guess so. Um, I, I'll, I I'll be honest, guys. I haven't been following this story all that closely. I don't know how how long this has been going on, uh, but I I know that I know that it's something that could. They could be good for Cleveland, okay? And I know there are the purists. We don't we don't want to play in a dome group out there, but 
if you've been in a city that has a dome, you know what a dome does for a city. So, um, and what it can do for a city. So, uh, well, the, it it depends on who pays for it. I mean, right now, here locally, the Titans are pushing for a new stadium, mm-hmm. and uh, some of the mu- mu- uh, some of the financing is a little funky. Um, but uh, I th- I think the Haslam Group, their goal is to develop the lakefront. Mm-hmm. And does that include a new Brown Stadium? I, I would hope so. Does, if it has a dome or not, I, I really don't care. Um, but, uh, you know, a dome does help a city if you can get other events year-round. Yeah, yeah. Jeff, let's, let's bring you in on this, get your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, all you have to do is look at the city of Indianapolis. They're hosting the Combine this week. Um, they host Super Bowls. They they host all kinds of things. And and the if you if you compare downtown Indianapolis to downtown Cleveland, and, and downtown Cleveland has made tremendous strides over the last decade, but there's really no comparison in the two downtowns. Um, downtown Indianapolis is a vibrant place to be. Um, there's conventions constantly. There's, I mean, there's always activity going on in downtown Indianapolis and it's really trickling into the surrounding neighborhoods. People want to live close to downtown and it's, it's gentrifying all the surrounding areas. Um, Cleveland is just so far behind the eight ball on that, um, compared to most other major cities that we need that kind of economic injection to get things going here. Um, you know, we're, we're never going to be a top destination um, for corporations, et cetera. Um, but there's no reason that we have to have this second class citizen mentality that, you know, we can't go out and build a world class facility. We, we need to be thinking bigger as a city and, and have that facility that allows us to play on the world stage and host a Super Bowl at some point, you know, things like that. Um, the idea that, that football has to be played outside um, is, is all well and good, but fans also have to watch football outside. And when it's 10 degrees, nobody wants to go. Yeah. We were giving That's away true. tickets this year, giving away yeah. tickets this year okay, yeah. for a game because it was 10 degrees. Okay. Um, the purists are, are I, I get that, but you know what? I'm old. I want to go to games. I want to be comfortable. I don't want to freeze my balls off. You know, <laughs> well, it's um, true. <laughs> yeah, it is true. <laughs> I, I want to. I want to be in a in a climate controlled building, watching a football game in the middle of December, or I'm going to stay home. It's that simple. Okay, so the economic impact on the city comfort for me and my old ass okay i'm dumb 100 percent. get it done um these things always come down to political grafting and corruption and all these different things that have to happen before we can figure out how to do it but eventually they'll figure it out if the haslams push hard enough and say this is this is what needs to happen and the right people get to the table there's no reason the city of Cleveland can't put a, a world-class facility out there and, and take take our city to the next level. 
And I know these players are really tough in that, but you can't tell me that they wouldn't rather be <laughs> playing in a dome <laughs> um, to versus playing out there, you know, on the frozen tundra. You know, it, it's it's fun to watch on TV. You know, it, you know, I I don't mind watching a, a game in Lambeau, Fe- you know, Lambeau Field in the snow and all this stuff, and you know, and reckoning back to the days of Bart Starr and all this stuff. But but you know, or whatever, because you know that's. You know, that's the imagery of the old NFL and all this stuff. But, man, they've made so many other changes. And with the technology today and with them being able to do these retractable roofs and everything, it, it just doesn't make sense to to not look at doing something with a dome that can be a multi-purpose and can really help the city in other ways. Um but again, you got to you got to figure out the financing, you know. And I don't know, I don't know what other cities do, and you know, and, and we could probably talk another half hour about that. So, um, you know what, Rod, you made another good point about field. One of the arguments was always we don't want artificial surface, more injuries, yeah. et cetera, yeah. et cetera, right? Yeah. Um, now with the ability to, to do retractables and, and grow grass and so forth, there's there's absolutely no reason it has to be an artificial surface. It right. can be a grass surface, and get get it done. Quit quit arguing about it. Just get it done. It's, it, it's time. We should have done it right years ago. Um, now we have to do it. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, a couple other things here, and then I got um, one uh, one topic that I want to cover. So um, Jakeem Grant, uh, he was restructured, uh, first guy to, to to be done actually. So yep. sounds like he'll be he'll be back in or back. I, I guess however you want to say it, we'll say he's back in 2023. He didn't, you know, he 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 was injured in uh, in camp last season. So um, right. We hope we hope he has a better fate this year. We'd love to see him back there returning kicks. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it could really be a, a, a boon to uh, to our new special teams coordinator. That's for sure. Um, yeah, they basically they had signed him to a three-year deal, and he had two more years left. And they basically restructured it to make it a, a one-year deal with a void year. Um, he's he's going to make 1.7, and that's what's going to be his cap hit. So that's basically how they did it. Nice. There are no plans to bring in a kicker this season to compete in York. <laughs> Your thoughts on this, gentlemen? I like Cade York. Um, he was the kicker I wanted. Did they draft him a little too soon? You never know. Somebody else may have taken him. I think he'll he'll. I think he'll work out his problems. Um. Yeah. Uh, why bring in a, a a camp leg? That you know, as soon as he boinks one off the goalpost in camp, everybody's going to be going, "Oh, well, you know, we got we got this other guy here in camp. We want that guy." Yeah. So let's just get his confidence up. Have him practice yeah. more in the stadium. Yeah, Jeff. Yeah, yeah you you got to give him the job again, and and let him go out and build his confidence. And you know what, if, if the wheels come off, there will be other kickers out there. Um, there's, there's no point in, in planting that seed early. I don't think, I mean, they've got a lot invested in him. Let's develop him. Let's get him comfortable. And and hopefully that, you know, trends upward. 
But you know what? If you're in week six or eight and, and he's just a, a head case, there's going to be a guy out on the street that can kick for you. Yeah, right. let's, let's give yeah. Bubba Ventrone uh, an opportunity to work with him. Yeah, we'll see what Bubba knows about kicking. Let's find out. <laughs> um, we have no idea. Um, I, I'm hoping he's good with the kickers, too. So, who knows? Um, but yeah, I, I'm with I'm with Cade York, guys. I I, I just feel like this guy is going to turn into a to a very very solid kicker, and he's the guy who's going you're going to be able to try it out there to hit some 58 yarders to win games every now and then, or or whatever the case is. So, um, yeah, I'm behind Cade York, and I, I think he's going to work his stuff out. So, um, things are kind of interesting in this, uh, Ethan. Pasek, uh being a free agent versus uh, Nick Harris being the starter and bringing in depth. So, um, so Steve, I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts real quick on this. I think Jeff and I kind of talked about it a little bit last week or week before, but Pasek uh, really played and he really played well when he was out there. Um, he was a top five center. Yeah, I mean, he's. I'd love to have him back. I, you know, I don't know what he's gonna command um well uh andrew barry wouldn't commit to nick harris's starting center in his little news yeah. um, well, he hasn't played. nick harris really hasn't what do you, how many games has he started so far just just one a couple right one yeah one the green bay say. game yeah i, I thought it was Christmas yeah. Day. a couple yeah and then he got hurt the first play of the first preseason game last year it's uh, really hard to count on nick harris in my opinion i know but it depends on what kind of value he'll get going someplace else. But if you, you tell him right off the bat, you sign him to a nice little contract, tell him you're going to be the starter. He said he wants to come back. So we'll see. Yeah. I, well, I hope they can get him back for, you know, whatever is whatever's a fair price, um, you know, and not, not have to – spend you know a, a fortune to get him back i mean I, I don't know what the number is you know um obviously the number i see to... is seven seven million yep i've but seen that's that probably one right i was gonna say it's probably not gonna be five but you don't want it to be ten um i don't know we'll see i hope he's back i, I hope yeah. he's back guys i loved i loved his play um so we'll see what happens Yep. All right, guys. Uh, there was a um, there was uh, grades given. Um, I guess the the NFL Players Association did this report card. So I want to talk about this for a little bit. Um, I don't. Uh, let's see. It's this is based on a survey of 1,300 NFL players, and the Browns came in um, as a franchise. They came in 21st out of 32. Which um, we're not is, last, yay! Yeah, no <laughs> it, it's not about where they finished on the season, um, so I'm not surprised. I mean, you know, it's right around there, right? <laughs> Anyways, uh, some some of the individual grades are pretty interesting, and then what guys said were the major issues is kind of interesting. So um, I just run through these individual grades because the Browns overall got a C, which. If you're grading the Browns on their season last year, you know, and what would you give them? I mean, C minus, you know, yeah. C, C minus. Yeah. So, yeah. so it kind of makes sense that the players like, man, this franchise is great. We, you know, would you expect the player to give them an A? 
when you're not winning. Um, I, I wouldn't. Even if everybody loves yeah. you and everything. Um, I would think a certain losing. A of that's probably, if, if you're surveying players, a certain amount of that's probably just player discontent, right? That, yeah. That they're, yeah. They're not happy because they always lose, so they're going to naturally sort of rate the franchise lower. Um, but, yeah. man, it, 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 it's completely separated from um, your ability to play football when you talk about your ability to operate a facility and 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 hire good trainers and you know yeah uh, yeah which is really what the survey is about it really has nothing to right. do with the football aspect so um right, so right. so let's go over these, these grades real quick so um treatment of families um that players gave the browns a c wow yeah um that's that's not real good you expect that you the culture yeah, that's the culture. Um, the next two are really uh, well. The next one is kind of bothersome for me. Um, food service, nutrition, D plus. Ooh, hmm. don't we want our guys eating right? Hmm. Um, I think we need our guys eating right. Apparently, now, they don't like the hot dogs at the stadium. <laughs> I, I guess they want all beef hot dogs instead of all that filler that they've been giving them. Right. So. Um, now the next one, I want you guys to flash back to building the Browns and, and stuff that came out when, when the stadium was newer. And do you remember him going through the stadium and, and just feeling like this place was state of the art, um, with, with all the stuff they had for the players and everything, Mm -hmm. um, seeing the weight room, the locker room, and the players are just, oh, my God, this is beautiful. Do you guys remember that? Yeah, I do. I remember that show. Okay. The players rate the Browns' weight room as a D plus. Wow. <laughs> because, nice. yeah, because they feel, from what I've read in, in the article, the overall sentiment is that other stadiums have better weight rooms now. Is that that? Are you talking the stadium? Are you talking Berea? Talking Berea, right? Oh, Berea. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So yeah. So weight room D plus. Um, Strength coaches A plus. Wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) So they got great coaches and shit equipment, apparently. So I'm picturing like Rocky right now, training out in the wilderness, right. carrying logs and, and yeah. crap. So like you're that. saying they're in a meat locker, beating up uh, sides they're of beef, up sides of beef, and carrying logs in the snow. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> this is what I'm wow. picturing, guys. Um, wow. Training room B plus. Now this is the one that gets me with. With all the injuries the Browns have had over the years, what have what have uh, what's been questioned a lot? The the training staff, right? Oh yeah, medical staff. Medical staff, uh, training staff. Yeah. Training staff received an A. Really? Yeah. Um, locker room, a D plus. 
there again because apparently it's not as good as what other teams have. Mm-hmm. And team travel received a C for whatever that's worth. I don't know <laughs> what that means. I don't either. Um, yeah. I just um, I didn't know what to make out of half of these grades, guys. Maybe they yeah. need a few more flat screens in the uh, locker room. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if guys are coming in from other teams and saying, "Man, this is not as good as where I came from." And it's like guys are like, "Man, we deserve better than this." And it's like, well, the opposing locker room is supposed to be terrible. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> That's why I used to paint them in (laughs) passive colors so the guys wouldn't be so aggressive. I mean, you're not giving your your opponent the lap of luxury. (laughs) Oh, I I mean like free agents that come in. Oh, free agents. John Johnson loved it, but then again, they just cut him, so. (laughs) (laughs) John Johnson had a lot to say about everything, so. Oh, yes, he did. I think the media is going to miss him because he was a great soundbite. It was for sure. Anyways, I, I just guys looking over those grades, I just um yeah, I was I was just surprised. I I don't know I I I can just see the Browns, you know, um you know, the Browns uh whatever, you know, the people in charge just reading this and saying, What do we do with us? You know, yeah. what do we do with these grades? Um you know, I, I guess I guess we got to fix up the weight room and the locker yeah. room. Um, Maybe they should be spending some of that Bucks money in Berea. Yeah, I, I thought they already. I thought the Haslam's already did improvements on it twice. Obviously, they yeah. need to do three times. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently. Well, I mean, the the food service nutrition that should be an easy fix. That's yeah, that's, that's really just, bad that yeah. they would get a D plus. I mean. Yeah, you wonder if that's the actual food, if it's like access for the players, or um, you know how often, you know, or what they have out for them, or what you know, based mm-hmm. on just the the quality. Because I'm picturing the quality of the food, but that yeah. might not even. Be that. Well, um, I don't take much stock in it. I mean. Prior to last year, you were coming off two COVID years, which everything mm-hmm. was kind of funky anyway. You had to get to go boxes when the, the players would come in and all that kind of stuff. But, eh, I'll wait till next yeah. year. But, you know, you, you bring a, a, a big time free agent to Berea, you wine and dine him in a nice restaurant downtown and, you know, let him tour the facilities. If, he, if he'll go, you know, oh, I don't, this place was great at terribly but it looks great you never know yeah it's well, perspective and, yeah and then you got to remember that the guys like Jadavian Clowney probably took part in this and just went through f f f he probably did he probably guaranteed <laughs> so. they wanted me to play on third down and I did and damn them <laughs> Anyway, so uh, so yeah, Bobby was looking looking for the column where it said that they took sacks away from them. Right, right. Where's the where's the question about playing time? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so so yeah, guys, let's um let's get some final thoughts in here. Um, 
Steve, uh, again, everybody can follow you at Seatown Thug. Is is there anything you'd like to to throw out about um, about any of your work that you have going on or out right now? Um, uh, for ClevelandSportTalk.com, I'm I'm exclusively cover the Browns. Um, I, I'm very busy this time of year with. Uh, with free agents and after the free agency starts, I'll start putting up some of my drafts that I do. I, I'm not a draft Nick. I I'm, I'm a draftaholic. So, um, I, I love the draft cause you know, we're Browns fans. It's in our nature, but yeah, uh, I do like, a, a weekly blog. I cover stuff that I don't cover for the, for the website at, uh, dogpoundsouth.net uh you spell dog d-a-d-w-a-g or d-a-w-g and uh you know i give more personal opinions here and there in that blog but uh, that's uh coming to a busy part of the off season in the next two weeks with the free agency starting two weeks from today yeah and what would you like to leave the listeners with tonight this is the this is the most important off season for Andrew Barry. This this is the off season for him to work his magic. If he doesn't do it this this off season then the thing things are going to get rough. But uh, I have faith in him. I've written a couple articles about him. Uh, I think I, I I understand where he's coming from with a lot of this stuff. But if he makes the the right signings and the right draft picks, this will be a special year for the Browns. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Jeff, closing thoughts tonight? I think Andrew Berry just needs to be highly above this offseason. I, I think the Browns need to keep trending in the right direction, and that's building a good, solid roster, building a good, solid coaching staff that they can learn to win with. That That's the missing piece for this organization is learning to win. And mm-hmm. if they can bring in the key guys that 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 bring that messaging with them um, about how to win, all of a sudden, all those other things will start working a whole lot better. We'll, we'll, we'll feel better about Andrew Barry's free agents. We'll feel better about his drafting. We'll feel better about our coaching staff if we just get a few more wins. And, and I think the key really is changing that mentality in Berea where guys out you know on their way out the door give us Fs. Um, we need guys coming in the door because you're giving us A's. Yeah, there you go. That's right. This has been the Browns Blitz, and we will catch you next time. (laughs) 